Appreciate your hospitality. And uh, church builder's beautiful preacher. Thank God for it. The setting's beautiful. Praise God. Everybody's beautiful but the preacher. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Somebody said amen. Was that your wife? <laughs> amen. <laughs> well, take your Bible if you would, please. And, I, and listen, I'm, I might have made a mistake. Now, I say that. I know I didn't make a mistake because of what I ate. But I may have made a mistake because I went before church. And I went to the pig and grits. And I feel like a stuck pig right now. If, I, if I'd have known what I know now, I'd have worn my Liberty overalls tonight. Amen. And uh, I've got so much sodium running through my bloodstream that I may not make it back alive to Maryville. Amen. But, but, but if, that, if, I, if that happens, the Lord calls me home, I, I, I want Brother Kevin to tell my family and tell my church that after eating at the pig and grits, it was worth it all. Amen. Amen. Praise God. We had the three meat special, you know. Oh, my goodness. And, uh, and, I, and look, I'm a fat boy. There's very rarely that I sit down and eat a plate of food that I don't finish my plate. But, but I had to take some of that back home with me. It's sitting in Brother Kevin's uh, truck right now. And uh, I'm looking forward to a, a late supper. Amen. All, all this, uh, all this uh, bloating that I've got now will, will dissipate. And I'll blow back up again tonight. Amen. But it is good to be here. Appreciate you letting me come, preacher. Appreciate Brother Kevin from my church driving me up this way. He's good about, about helping me out. And, and we always have a good time fellowship. And, uh, and I, I praise God uh, for, for his goodness, for God's goodness. And uh, man, I'm glad I'm saved. And I, pre- I appreciate these young people singing. That's a blessing. Praise the Lord. I, I'm, I'm always happy to be in a church that, that's got some young people. And, and you know what the best kind of church is, uh, as far as the people are concerned, is a, is a multi-generational church. You go to some churches and, and it's all elderly folks. You go to other churches, it's all just a bunch of young folks. But when you got some elderly folks and some middle-aged folks and some young folks together, I believe that's the way that God would have it to be. And, and young people, listen to me. You, you can learn from these older people. They know more than you just because of experience. Amen. You get some wisdom. And you know what I appreciate about young people? is that, That's a lot of times that's where the fire's at, you know. And you know, us older people, sometimes we, we get set in our ways, but praise God for some of these young people to help us along. See, see, we benefit one another. We can help one another in the faith. And that's where a local church should be, you see. A multi-generational church. Now, I don't know, that, that, probably, that term probably comes from some kind of church guru or something, but, 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 I, but that's not liberal talk. That's, that's just the truth, amen? Amen, I praise God for it. And your church is like that, is why I said that. And, uh, and, and, I, and I thank the Lord for it. All right, did I tell you where to turn? First Thessalonians. Paul's first epistle to the Thessalonians. And we're going to look in chapter 2. And to begin with, we're going to read one verse. And that'll be verse 8. But we're going to look at some other verses um, here within the chapter. And we'll eventually... Uh, read verse 7 down through verse 11 as we go. Uh, but I want to thank God for his word. And I said I appreciate the young people singing, and I did. I appreciate this quartet singing. And that's, that's a blessing, man. I, uh, Brother Kevin, I'd like to maybe sometime along the way to have them come to Maryville. 
That'd be a help to us, I believe. Thank the Lord. And uh, I like, I like it. You know, I like all them songs they sing. Uh, that welcome home. I don't think I've ever heard that before that I'm aware of, but it was good. And uh, then, then they talk about crowning Jesus as King of Kings, Lord of Lords. That's a blessing. Listen, hey, I I get nervous when I hear about all this kingdom talk. We're we're not li- we're not living in the kingdom dispensation. We're 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 in we're in the the, the dispensation of the grace of God. Amen. This is the church age. Amen. So when they start talking about that kingdom, that makes me nervous. But one of these days, we'll live in the kingdom, praise God. And Jesus will be crowned King of kings and Lord of lords, amen. And the Bible says we'll reign with him, hallelujah. And I rejoice in it and I, pray, I praise God for it. All right, uh, can I ask you to stand to your feet out of respect and reverence for the reading of the word of God? I don't think that's required, uh, you know, uh, to stand when we read from the Bible. Uh, I mean, I, I read the Bible all the time and hope and never stand. Somebody say amen. Uh, but we do see precedent of it in the Bible. We, we read in the Old Testament. Uh, in Nehemiah chapter 8 when Ezra was reading from the Old Testament, from the law uh, that the people, they stood. And, uh, and, and it's a good way to stretch your legs out just a little bit uh, before we settle in uh, to the message that God uh, ha- has given to us tonight. So we're just going to read this one verse. We're going to pray. Uh, and then you can be seated. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8, it says, Paul's writing here into the church uh, at Thessalonica. He said, so being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you, now notice this, not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, Because you were dear to us. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity and privilege to be in your house. We thank you for your precious word. And dear God, I pray that you'll bless now the reading of thy word. And I pray, dear God, that you bless the preaching of it. Lord, I need your help. Lord, I pray that you give me liberty and power and unction to preach. And God, recall things to my remembrance that I've studied. And give me the things that, that, that that I need to preach uh, under these people. I pray that you hold back anything I need not to preach. God, just uh, lead me and guide me and direct me. Forgive me, dear God, where I failed you. And dear God, where I've come short, cleanse me, Lord, from all unrighteousness and make me t- tonight an instrument of righteousness to be used by you for your glory. And God, I pray that you deal with the hearts of the people. I pray that there'll be good ground. I pray that they'll be receptive and attentive to the preach of thy word. And I pray that you'll take it and use it in their lives. Lord God, if there's somebody here tonight lost, I pray that you convict them of the sin. I pray that you'll draw them and they'll come to an old-fashioned altar of repentance. And they'll believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ uh, before it's everlasting too late. And dear God, I pray for anybody's backslid. And I pray for all of us as Christians that we can draw nigh to thee within this hour. Lord, we thank you for the blood of Jesus. We thank you, God, for his death and for his burial and God for his resurrection. We thank you, Lord, that he's interceding for us even now, dear God, as we pray. And Lord God, we thank you for that soon coming. I pray that you help us be ready. Help us to look uh, for, for, the, for, for, for the appearing of your son Jesus in the air. For it is in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ that we pray. And for his sake, amen. And you can be seated. In chapter 1 of 1 Thessalonians, we can see there that Paul, he writes about the model church. If you look there real quickly in chapter 1, verse 1, 
Uh, the Bible mentions there, Paul, by inspiration of God, the church of the Thessalonians. Now, there's a lot of churches mentioned in the Word of God. There's a lot of good churches that are mentioned in the Word of God. And there's a few churches. I can think about the church at Ephesus. I can think about the church of Antioch. And there's other churches that we could name, the church at Ephesus and so forth. There were good churches and maybe could be also referred to as a model of church. But here in chapter 1, and we can go through uh, this chapter. Matter of fact, I've got a message about the church of the Thessalonians. And we can see several things here uh, that, 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 that we could uh, uh, point out tonight about that model church. But here in chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians, we see not a model church, but we see a, a model servant. We could even say a model minister or a model ministry. Now that word ministry, I want you to understand tonight, that word ministry is, is definitely uh, about people. Amen. I was talking to my assistant pastor, my former assistant pastor one time, and we were talking about some, some issues and uh, some people in the church that were having different kind of struggles. And I could sense just a little bit of negativity from my, uh, my, my assistant pastor. And I'm not throwing rocks at him because, I, I mean, there, there's times where I'm sure that people can sense a little bit of negativity from me about some things. Somebody say amen right there. But I, but I sense just a little bit of negativity uh, from him about the people that we were talking about. And sure enough, they had some struggles and they had some issues and they had some needs. And he began to talk and I listened to what he was having to say. And then at the end of the conversation, I said, you know, brother, I said, you're right. I said, but, but you know, if it wasn't for people like that, there'd be no need for people like us. Amen. You know, the old joke is, and it's true, and, and, and we laugh at it, and it's funny because it is true to some degree, but somebody would say, you know, the ministry would be great if it wasn't for people. Amen. And you're smiling, and I'm smiling, and we know that's in jest and so forth. But, but, but let me say, there would be no ministry without people. Are you listening? So we're, we understand that ministry is, is definitely uh, about people. Uh, and as we look here in the Word of God, as we look here uh, within the chapter, even a, a casual uh, reading of this epistle reveals a very special bond between the Apostle Paul and his beloved convert. He loved these people. Now, verse 8 is our key verse. And I want to look at the verse again. Uh, the Bible says here, uh, So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing uh, to have imparted to you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because... You were dear to us. Do you see the love? Do you see the, uh, the, 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 the compassion that Paul has uh, for these dear people? There's a bond uh, between them. And you know, according to this verse, and I believe it's, it's true, uh, it's possible to win somebody uh, to Christ. You say, well, preacher, you can't win anybody to Christ. No, I can't save anybody, but I can win some folks to Christ. Amen. I mean, we're commanded to go into all the world to preach the gospel and never creature. Somebody say amen. Uh, but, but you know, his, well, what the verse says here is that it's possible to win someone to Jesus Christ and not really invest much in them. Now, I, I can say that's true because of the Word of God, but I can also say that's true because I've done it. God has, has uh, used 
me just like he's probably used a lot of you here uh, in the building uh, uh, and uh, uh, and you've been maybe uh, successful in parting the imparting the gospel the word of God and obviously the gospel is of, of utmost importance you understand the gospel is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believeth amen and the gospel is of utmost importance, but sometimes in my, in my ministry that the Lord has given to me, I've been successful in imparting the gospel, whether it be from behind the pulpit or whether it be sitting in somebody's living room or, or out in a cow field somewhere when we witnessed the folks and told them about the Lord Jesus. I, I, I've been successful in imparting to them the gospel of God, but I failed. Now listen to me. But I failed in imparting my own soul to them. Now let's look at that verse a third time now. Uh, It says there in the last part of the verse, it says that it imparted unto you not the gospel only, but also our own souls. Do you see that? Now, here in the Word of God, I want to give you this just by uh, the, the, the way of introduction. They, they are, are and, and, and we'll let, let, hang on just a second. Let me say this. When we fail to impart our own souls to, to, to people, it hinders what we call discipleship, what the Word of God calls discipleship. And when we hinder discipleship, we hinder the gospel in, in the large picture, in the big picture of things. So as we talk about this discipleship, and we, we don't want to hinder discipleship, uh, so uh, we, we want to impart our own souls. But, but God gives us here four ways in which we can invest in people. And we need to invest in people. We need to invest our souls in people. We as believers, we as Christians, you say. And, and if you look at verse 9, and, and, and I'll give you this, like I said, just by the way of introduction, then we'll focus on the message in which God's laid upon our heart tonight. Uh, but, but, but if you look here in verse 9, the Bible tells us, Paul tells us by inspiration of the Holy Ghost, that we can invest in people through evangelism. Now, praise God. Hey, we need a revival of evangelism. Amen. The Bible says, verse 9, it says, For ye remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day because we would not be chargeable unto any of you. And notice this. said, We preached unto you the gospel of God. So we can invest in people through evangelism. We, we ought to preach unto them the gospel. When, when the Bible says go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, he's not talking about t- getting behind a pulpit like I am tonight and taking a text and, and preaching a sermon. He, he's talking about witnessing. He's talking about uh, giving people the gospel, not just in the sanctuary, but in the street. Somebody say amen. Uh, and we're to invest in people through evangelism. And then in verse 10, if you'll notice, we can invest in people through example. Through example. Now, now you, 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 there, there's an, a term or an expression that I've heard people use through the years. They'll call it lifestyle evangelism. You heard that expression, I'm sure. And what that, what that is, that people will say, well, you know, I've never told anybody about Jesus. I've never given anybody the gospel. I've never witnessed anybody. But I've tried to be a witness. I, I've tried to, 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 you know, so let my, let my light shine that they can see Jesus in me. Now, let me say that I believe in that, but I don't believe in that only. It's faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Amen. Now I've been a Christian. I'm I'm 53, almost 54 years old. And I've been a Christian since I was 15 years old. 
And all these years, I've never had anybody walk up on, on top of me and say, Hey, you remind me so much of Jesus. Will you yeah. tell me how to be saved? Yeah. <laughs> I've never had anybody, right. you know. I've never had anybody say that to me. But now, listen, I, I, I believe that that's a cop-out. When people say, well, I'm, I don't tell anybody about Jesus. I don't pass out tracts. I don't witness. I don't do this. I don't do that. But I try to live a good life in front of them. I, I, I think if that's all you're doing, that's a cop-out. Right. I'm not going to make you feel good about that. Right. Are you listening? Amen. But I will say this. If you don't live good and right in front of them, they're not going to listen to you when you try to give them the gospel. And when you try to witness to them, they're going to blow you off. They're going to let go in one ear and out the other. Are you listening? Every one of us tonight that are saved by the grace of God, whether you like it or not, we're to be an example. We're to be example to one another. We're to be example to these young people. We're to be example into a lost and dying world. And we can invest in people through evangelism. And we can invest with people through example. God help us to be an example under this lost and dying world. So we see in verse 9 that we can invest in people through evangelism. Verse 10, we can invest in them through example. We need a revival of that. We need some examples. Hey, our young people need some examples. Somebody say amen. God help us now. Uh, But then in the next verse, in verse 11, we can see that we can invest with people through encouragement. Now look at the verse. The Bible says, as you know how we exhorted. Do you see that? Exhorted. Amen. Encouraged. Said how that we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as the Father does his children, you say. So we can invest through encouragement. Man, preacher, <laughs> I've been pastoring, it'll be 30 years in December. Now, did I read right? 25 years for you? That's a long time. Amen. Uh, 25 years at one church. Well, let me shake your hand. Amen. God bless you. Yeah. Amen. I'm praying for you all the ulcers that you've accumulated over these 25 years. I'm not going to lay hands on you, but you know. Hey. And and I've been pastor a long time. Your preacher's been pastor a long time. And and, and in all these 30 years that I've been a pastor, I can honestly say to you that in 2023, that more than ever, over the last two or three years, Hey, uh, it, it's been challenging. Right. Amen. Yeah. And, and more than ever, more than I've ever seen in my, my entire Christian life and entire ministry, can I, I, can I say tonight that, that not only do we need a, a revival of evangelism, not only do we need a revival of example, but we need a revival of encouragement. Right. We need to build one another up. Right. We need to edify one another. We need to exhort one another, encourage one yeah. another in the faith. Man, you don't, I pray to God that I'm not a discourager to somebody. I don't want to discourage people from serving God. I want to encourage them. And you should try to encourage people and invest in people in the church and encourage them, you see. What a wonderful way to invest in people through encouragement. Some people have that gift. I mean, it's, I, I mean, I mean, there's some people in our church, my church, I, I walk away from them, I feel like, I, you know, I, I'm... I'm on top of the world, you know. There's some preachers that way. Do you know Brother James Jones? I spoke to him today. hadn't talked to him in in months. And I spoke to him on telephone today. And every time I speak to Brother Jones, when I 
hang up or walk away, I think, man, ha. Huh. Yeah. I mean, he builds me up. Right. You know? There's some preachers that don't know how to build you up. Yeah. <laughs> they know how to tear you down. Right. And there's some church members that, can, that, that are edified. And there's some that, 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 that don't know how to edify. They don't know how to build up, you say. Right. There's some people that even when they try to encourage you, they'll discourage you. Right. Amen. Amen. I, I, listen, I, I want to work at being an encourager. Amen. I want to invest in people uh, but through encouragement like the Bible says here uh, in verse 11. But now going back to verse 8 again. We've read it three times. I'll not read it a fourth time. But, but this is what I, I want to focus on tonight. I, I said we need a revival of evangelism, a revival of example, a revival of encouragement. But we need a revival of empathy. Right. Are you listening? A revival of empathy. Now, this, this what I'm going to say right here sounds kind of, I don't know, it sounds, sounds kind of trite, you know. It's a popular saying, but I believe that there's some truth to the saying. And I've heard people say it, and I'm sure you have too, preacher. That they'll say, well, people don't, don't know, that they don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. Now, that seems kind of trite, but, that, but that's right. Amen. I mean, people need to know that we care. Amen. People are not going to listen to me if they don't think I care about them. People are not going to listen to you if you don't think that they, if they don't think you care about them. So we need a revival of empathy. Um, I, I'm going to give you an example, and I, some, I hate giving personal examples, brother, uh, brother, brother. Because, because it, it's, I don't know. I mean, have you ever listened to a preacher, and when you got through listening to him preach, you thought, man, he's a great guy. He's a great preacher. He's a great Christian. And then, at, and then you realize you know this because he told you. Yeah. <laughs> right. Man, I don't want to be like that. Right. At least, I, I, man, I ain't much. I, I'm just being honest. I'm not trying to give you any kind of uh, false humility because really, really the only humility I've got is false. Right. <laughs> right. I, I mean, I'm just as arrogant as anybody else. Yeah. And, 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 hey, God help me. I mean, I, I mean, I can't, I, I can't go through Nashville without almost cussing. Yeah. Cussing. I, I wasn't even driving going through Asheville. When I wanted to cuss at somebody. Right. You listen. Yeah. Now, don't judge me. You asked me to come. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, I remember one time years ago. Year, are we okay yeah, as far as time? Yeah. I remember years ago I, I, when I was when I was a, a young man, late teenage years, early twenties. I wor- I worked for Kroger. You all have Kroger's up here, don't you? Grocery store. And, and, I, and I worked for Kroger. And I worked on the night shift. We, uh, you know, we did the night stock and everything. We'd, we'd separate those trucks that came in. And I, when, I, when I was working there, I was probably 19 years old. I, nah, I was preaching. So I started preaching when I, when I was 21. So I was probably 21, maybe 22 years old. Um, and, and, and I was little. Now look at me. When I graduated high school, I was 155 pounds. My daddy got cancer, and while he had cancer, I dropped down to 130 pounds. And I gained 10 of that, that, that weight back, but I stayed at 140 pounds. When I got married, I was 140 pounds, size 29 britches. Can you imagine? I have grown in grace and in knowledge. Amen, my Lord Jesus Christ. But I was a little fella. 
And, and, and you know, they, they, they'll get up there, they'll, they'll start throwing those cases and stuff at you, you know. And you've got to catch that stuff, and you've got to put it on, you know, take it from a pallet, put it on, uh, uh, you know, to move it to the aisles and so forth. And they just throwing that stuff to me just as fast as they could. And I was the young guy of the bunch, so they wanted to show off, and they wanted to show me that I wasn't up to the task. They slinging that stuff at me. And they slung a case of pickles at me. And, and I caught it, but then I dropped it. So I had to go back there and clean it up. Took back air sink, took the good pickles out, put it in a different thing. And then, then, then sure enough, there, there's some broken pickles. There's glass, you know. I reached in there to grab some of that, and I just sliced my finger. Matter of fact, I still got the scar on my knuckle where I sliced my finger. And when I cut that finger, I hollered out. You just thought I was at a Pentecostal meeting. <laughs> like, oh, 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 oh. There's a big old boy come back. I remember his name, Timmy Goods, a big old redhead boy. He come back through there. He said, what happened to you? And he said, it's all blood all over my head. He said, you okay? Yes, I said, I'm fine. I wrapped it up. He said, man. He said, I thought I was going to hear the preacher cuss. I thought, man, if you could read my mind, you would have. Somebody say amen. Amen. Listen, I told you, I'm I'm not much of a Christian. But when when I I started, my next job was an automotive plant. We made starters and alternators. And I was working at this place. And, and a fellow that I was working with, I didn't know him real well, but his name was Jeff Tucker. And one night, one, it had to be on a, well, I was pastoring, and so I just started pastoring. And, and he called me about 11, 1130 at night. And he said, hey, uh, Tom, this is Jeff Tucker from Denso. He said, he said, he said I hate to bother you, especially at this late hour. He said, but my mother has died. And he said, and we don't have a preacher. So they're between churches. My mom and daddy is, and and, and they're saved people, but they but, but they don't have a preacher. And, and and you know, I hate to ask you, but would you be willing to come to my daddy's house and pray with my family? We're waiting on the funeral home to get here, and so I said, Jeff, I'll be happy to do that. Got in my car and truck and went over there and got out. And and man, I'm telling you that. I mean, everybody was there. Every cousin, every nephew, every aunt, every uncle. Every brother, every sister, every grandchild. I, I, I mean, you know, they just, just it was it was it was, a, it was a, just a single wide trailer, and that place was packed in the yard. You know, everybody standing out, you know, smoking cigarettes and drinking coffee and chewing tobacco, and, and they people packed in there. It was so hot in there. The windows was fogged up. Had so many people, and I went in, and, and and really I didn't do much of nothing. He introduced me to his daddy. I talked to his daddy. I I, I, I talked to Jeff, and, and I met some of his brothers and sisters and so forth. And and and, and I, I spent just a little bit of time with him probably you know just waited till the funeral home got there we prayed before he, they took his mama out and, and before, but 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 that little bit of time that little bit of investment that right. that, that that little little bit of empathy and, and, and God moved me while I was praying and, and I began to get choked up just a little bit I saw them them grandkids there and right. and, and then those sons and daughters the people that was crying I and I choked up and cried just a little bit and, and that 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 perhaps maybe that moved them I don't know but, but but anyway having said all that all I did was show up for maybe 45 minutes maybe an hour right. said a word of prayer shook a few hands and that's all really that I did but they asked me to preach the funeral yeah and I preached the funeral the next day, I did the graveside. Right. 
And I talked to a few people and I invited some folks to church. Our church at that time, I just started pastoring. And, I, and I'd say that we maybe, you know, I don't know, maybe had 50 people there. I don't know how many people we was running at the time. But, but, I, but, but I'm telling you that next Sunday, about everybody that was at that trailer they were sitting out in the yard chewing tobacco and smoking cigarettes and, uh, and all the people that was in the, in the trailer was flogging up the windows and everything. Just about every one of them was at my, at my church. Right. And I preached. And Jeff's brother, J.R., they called him J.R., they called him Junior, and they called him Buck. And, and, and Buck got saved that morning. Right. I could tell that night that Buck, the oldest son, he was the, he was the, the, even though the daddy was alive, he was the designated leader. He stood about six foot four. He's probably about 225 pounds. Not an ounce of fat on him. Are you listening? I mean, he'd be, you could tell he'd been in the gym a little bit in his day. And and he was a big fella and a a handsome, rugged looking fella. And that whole family looked to him and he went down to that altar and he got saved that morning. Well, that night his wife got saved. Amen. Hey, I went to the home and visited him, and their 14-year-old boy got saved. Then his brother Charles got saved the next Sunday, come running down the aisle crying. And then his wife, Mickey, got saved that morning. And then Charles, who got saved, and Mickey, they got saved. Their three daughters each got saved. And then the cousin that lived across the street, who just had a little boy get killed in a bicycle accident, a car hit him, he got saved. His wife got saved. Their daughter got saved. Their other son got saved. Yeah. Uh, their daddy got right with God. Uh, yeah. And then some others in the family started coming, aunts and uncles and, uh, and nephews and nieces. They got saved by the grace of God. And you say, preacher, why are you telling me all this? I'm telling you all this because I just invested a little bit of empathy uh, uh-huh. and, I, and, and I cared just a little bit for yeah. somebody. Uh, and they sensed that uh, yeah. and they, 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 they appreciated that. Uh, yeah. And a bunch of that family got saved by the grace of God. Oh, I, I, I think I counted up, uh, Brother Bradley, I, I think I counted up 16 people from that family got wow. saved in, in a matter of maybe three or four weeks. It's amazing, praise God. At that first one got saved, Buck. He got some type of a um, um, disease. He, he got it from vaccinating cows, and he didn't have it at the time. Uh, he got saved. Two weeks later, I baptized him. Two weeks later, that big, tall, strong, muscular man could barely make his way down the aisle. He started to lose his, his, his leg. His, his wife had to help him get his clothes off and change when I baptized him. Uh, and, and within two weeks after that, he's paralyzed from the waist down. Four years wow. over with, he's paralyzed from his neck down. Wow. But thank God he got saved by the grace of God. Amen. And his family, many of his family got saved. And I'm just saying, hey, that you can invest with people uh, and they'll respond to your investment. Uh, And if you have compassion and sympathy for them and empathy for them, hey, God can use you in their life. Uh, And you can see people say, what I'm saying is you've got to impart to them, not just the gospel of God only, uh, but you've got to impart to them your very own soul. Amen. And that's what Paul did unto the church uh, of the Thessalonians. Now let me give you this real quickly. Look verse 7. We've not read this verse. The Bible says, But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse shareth her children. Cherisheth her children. Now, notice the word gentle. It means to be mild, to be tender, to be kind. 
We're, we're, we're to be gentle, you say. I, I, I noticed your podcast. I've not listened to it yet, but your man podcast, what's it called? Men of Armor. Boy, I've not listened to it yet, but, but I, can, I know the subject matter needs to be dealt with. Amen. And if I, I, and I've, I can't believe how many sissy boys we got running around here. You all listen? I mean, it's pitiful. I, you know, do you know, it's not only a sin to be a sodomite, but, but, but it's a sin to be a sissy. Right. <laughs> That's the truth. Yeah. The Bible, Bible talks about being effeminate. Right. That, 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 hey, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going, going the way of sodomy. That just means they, they look like and they act like they're going that way. Amen. You got to teach your boys, uh, yeah. uh, you know, how, how, teach them how to walk like a man, talk like a man, yeah. and, uh, and sit like a man. Yeah. Amen. And work like a man. Yeah. Amen. I'm for all that. But you know, with that being a man, we got to teach him how to be a gentleman. Amen. What happened to Southern gentlemen? Amen. Well, we we, we need as Christians, listen, we we need to be gentlemen. And here, if we're going to invest in people, if we're going to empathize, we need to be gentle. Here in verse 7, if you look at it again, the Bible uses the word cherisheth. Cherisheth means hold dear. To lovingly care for. We'll, we'll, we'll say, say more about that in a, in a moment. But verse 8, you see the word affectionate. That means to show fondness for or to show love for. We're to be affectionate. Now listen, I know you've got to be careful in the house of God. I mean, you know, I, I, you know the Bible talks about uh, greeting one another with a holy kiss. I mean, that's Bible. I know that's a little bit of a cultural thing, but, but that's Bible. I had an old man... I'd led him to the Lord when he was, uh, I believe he was 78 years old when, I, when, when he got saved. And every time he left the church building before he died, he'd kiss me on the cheek. You know, that didn't bother me one bit. Right. An old rugged mountain man. Yeah. He lived up in Butterfly Gap. Right. And, and, and he'd come down there and, and, and I'd, I'd give him the gospel. He'd gotten saved. And, and he loved me because of it. Right. I mean, I had a friend right there for life. Amen. Yeah. And if you tell somebody about Jesus and give them the gospel, hey, you'll have a friend for right. life. And he'd kiss me. Yeah. He'd hug my neck. I'm a hugger. I hug people. I hug. My son's 15 years old. I hug him as much as I hug my girls. Yeah. You listening? Amen. I believe God to be affectionate. I know, like I said, got to be careful in the house of God. You know, I don't want everybody kissing me. <laughs> Amen. You know, I, you, you look like a pretty nice fellow, but I don't really want you to kiss me tonight. <laughs> I'm, I'm not desirous in my heart for that, you know. <laughs> So you got to be careful about that. And you know, I, I don't want everybody kissing all over my wife either. Right. So you got to be careful, you see. But, 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 you know, we, but, but it's all right with God's people sometimes loving on one another right. and being affectionate to one another right. and showing that we love one another. Right. God help us. Hey, we talk about a revival of empathy. We need a revival of love in the house of God. I know, I know, and I appreciate what you said about those people that are downgrading religion. It's not that they really hate religion. Some of them really hate the word of God. And I believe that's true, preacher. I said amen to you. Hey, and a lot of them, all they will talk about, love, 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 love. And I know that sometimes we'll kind of get tired of that mess, you know. And it is a mess. But the Bible does say that God is loved. The Bible does say that, that, that the world will know us. That, 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 we, that we are as disciples if we love one another. And in the house of God, it's a household of faith. And we're to love one another, you see. So we see here, it uses these words. Notice the word dear, as is used here in the Word of God. It means greatly loved or, or valued. 
People know whether you love them or not. If you value somebody, they know it. And if you don't love them, if you don't value them, they know it. Man, it's hard to fake it. And I've seen people try to fake it. And I know when they're trying to fake it. And, you, and, I, and I'm not any smarter than you are. And you know when they're trying to fake it. You listen. But when there's genuine love, when, 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 when somebody... Know that when 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 you know that they're that you are dear to them, that makes a difference. You see, and and we need to express that Uh, to be dear means to be greatly loved, to be valued, to be uh, to to be beloved, to be precious unto them. Amen. Now you think about that word. Our family's dear to us, isn't it? Amen. My my family, my my wife. I've been married to her for over thirty years. Uh, man, man she, she's a good wife. I thank the Lord for her. I love her. She's dear to me. I got three children. I got a, my, I got a daughter that's 22 years old. I, I look at her. She still looks like she's two years old to me. Yeah. Just my baby. Yeah. Then my, 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 my middle girl, she's just turned 19. Just, just love her to death. She, she's good to her. Both of them are so good to their daddy. And, and, and they're dear to me. And I got a boy that I love just as much as I love those lady folks. And he's, he's dear to me. I love him. He's my only son. Are you listening? Yeah. Uh, and our family, uh, our spouses, our children, they're dear to us. But understand this, this word dear, as is used here uh, in, in, the, in the Word of God, here in verse 8, the context, the context, these words are in context of those that we minister to. Right. Do you understand that? The same feelings that we have for our spouses and the same feelings that we have for our family and for our children, that love, that dearness, were to have that same type of sympathy or empathy for those within the house of God and those that we minister to even outside of the house of God. But sadly, so many times we insulate ourselves. Preacher, if you pastored 25 years, you've been hurt. I get tickled at people that you knock on the doors and invite them to church. Well, preacher, I used to go to church, but I've been hurt. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, well, yeah. you sign up. We got, hey, I got a, I got a, we got a club of those back on, on 1020 Walker Road. Somebody yeah. say, man, uh, all of it. If you've been in church any amount of time, you've been hurt. If you've never been hurt in church, you, you just hang around. Somebody will hurt you. Yeah, you're right. But that ain't Jesus' fault. Amen. You're right. And here's the thing. Most of them people that hurt you, they won't do it on purpose. Yeah, you're right. And, 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 and hey, I said, I've been hurt. I'm sure I've hurt people. Yeah. I, I've not done it on purpose. Right. But I'm sure I've done it. I know for a fact I've done it. Yeah. And probably, even if you don't know you've done it, you probably have done it. Right. You see? But so many times, well, because we've been hurt and uh, because we, 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 we put up walls and uh, we, we've insulated ourselves and, uh, and, and, and you know, we, we, we try to guard ourselves. And, uh, and, and you know, what, what it is, is, you know, we want to be nice to folks on, on Sunday morning, but we don't want to be bothered by them through the week. And you know, I could preach to, to myself and preach to some preachers about that, uh, brother, but that's true of, uh, of, of other church members and Christians too. We, 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 we want to shake their hands, we want to tell them we love them, and we'll fellowship with them, but, but don't call me on Monday. Uh, don't call me on Thursday if you need something. Uh, don't bother me through the week. I'm busy, uh, and I don't have time to help you, and I, I don't want to get close to you because I've been hurt before. God help us. 
as, as, as it's true. God help us. You know, a lot of times, a lot of times I think the best empathizers are new converts. People that just, you know, just people just got saved. Because it wasn't long ago that they were in the same boat as these other people that, you know, that, 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 that need some help and direction, some guidance and some influence and some examples to be set in front of them, you know. And a lot of times they're the best at it. People's lives, people's lives can be messy. But now as Christians, we, we, we can't be afraid to get our hands dirty. Now I understand what I'm saying. Please, please don't misunderstand what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about being a partaker of their evil deeds. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, you know, getting involved in the sin that they're committing. I, I don't believe that for a second. Uh, Jesus ate with sinners, but he didn't go home with them. I mean, in the sense, he didn't live their lifestyle. You understand? And, 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 you know, we're to witness to people, we're, and, and, but, but we're, not to, we're, we're not to let them influence us. We're to influence them. Right. We don't need to follow their example. They need to follow our example right. as children of God. Amen. But, you know, I, I kind of lost my train of thought here. You pray for me. But um, we was talking about, about these, these, these folks and, and influence of them. And let, 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 what, getting their hands dirty. Thank you, preacher. You helped me. Yeah. Getting their hands dirty. You know, this world's wicked. There's filthiness all around us. We, we, we run some buses down there in Maryville, you know. My daughter's bus route, number two. They come home on, on Sunday afternoon. They tell me, said, said, Daddy, we, we had a, a transgender on a bus route this morning. And I said, is that right? And they said, yeah. I said, and my oldest looked at me in tears. And I said, Daddy, she's seven years old. She said she was getting ready to turn eight years old. She was seven years old, and she got gender confusion. Gosh, I hate the devil. Yeah, me too. Man, that, make, that, just, that makes me sick at my stomach. But you know what? We're going to try to help that little girl. We ain't going to stop picking her up. That's right. We ain't going to isolate her. I mean, a seven-year-old. Somebody's had to tell her that wickedness. Amen. I mean, she didn't. She didn't. She didn't. You know, think well. I'm gonna go play baseball with my brothers and sat out there and was a little tomboy and said, you know what? I think you know that I, that I, I I'm really a boy. They didn't come to her. Right. Somebody's told her that. I don't know if somebody in the public school system. Right. I don't know if it's her mom and daddies yeah. or, or somebody else. Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe bless the poor little girl's heart. I don't know all of her background. Maybe she'd been molested as a, as a child. I don't know all, all of it. But, but, but I know one thing. Hey, uh, God didn't tell her that. Uh, uh, and she needs help from God. Uh, and, you know, helping her may be uncomfortable for some people. Uh, and helping somebody like that may be uncomfortable for you. Hey, but we need to be willing to empathize with people and, and have compassion for people and sympathy for people and be willing to minister to them and invest in them even when it requires getting our hands a little dirty. Hey, man, God help us. We need a revival of empathy. Hey, man, a revival of empathy. Oh, God help us to, to impart not the gospel of God only, but God help us to impart our souls. I've got this wrote down here in my Bible, and I'm glad I came back to it because I want to say this statement. Never lose the ability 
to feel someone else's hurt. Never lose the ability to feel someone else's hurt. Be willing to not just sympathize, but empathize with folks and their sorrow. Be, be willing to empathize with their struggles. Be willing to empathize with their sufferings. Amen. We must be willing to invest in others. We must be willing to bear one another's burdens. You know, the Bible tells us that we ought to weep with those that weep and we ought to rejoice with those that rejoice. We've got to be willing to impart the gospel. But not the gospel of God only. We must be willing as, as children of God, as born again, blood washed believers, we must be willing to impart our souls unto them. Paul was willing, and he's our example here. Jesus, man, he was so willing that he willingly laid down his life for our sin, for the sins of the world. God help us. God help us. We need this. We need this revival of evangelism. We need this revival of example and revival of encouragement. But more than anything else, God help us. We need a revival of empathy. Heavenly Father, we love you and we thank you. And God, I pray that you minister to our hearts tonight and, and help us, God, to, uh, to, to be willing to bear one another's burdens and God to be willing to impart our souls to others. Lord, help us follow these verses of Scripture as a pattern for our ministry. I pray for this church. I pray, God, for this preacher. And I pray for this invitation. I, I just pray that your will be done. And we'll thank you and we'll praise you. For it is in Christ's name we ask it. Amen. Preacher. There'd be some folks just say, Preacher, I want to be that kind of Christian. I'll be that kind of Christian, find love in my heart, empathy. Show others how much I care. Or there's some of us face some hard situations like he's talking about. It's hard to find empathy sometimes. Hard to find empathy in these days, all that's going on in the lives of people. Boy, we need it. We need it. I'm telling you, we need it. These are moving, coming around the altar for prayer. How about others? Preacher, I want to come tonight.